0: Welcome to Schrodinger's Feelings, our discussion of fake dating trope in Fanfic. I'm Jean. And I'm Rebecca. And this is Trope As Fuck. So, this week is all about fake dating, aka everything is fake but the feelings. Oh yeah. (laughs) These fics are situations in which our characters find themselves needing a romantic partner for the holidays perhaps, or to make an ex jealous, or it could be a green card wedding for a visa. Or
1: spies. Sometimes it's spies. Sometimes you've got, you know, fake marriages for spies. Obviously I love that. That's not the trope in my fic this week. But can I say that I love it? Um, Essentially, this is Schrodinger's feelings.
0: Which is exactly how one of our fics this week describes it. So much of the tension in fake dating A.U.s comes from the characters facing up to their Schrodinger dilemma. Do they acknowledge their real feelings and risk opening the box to find a dead cat? Or do they maintain the fragile stasis of the relationship to enjoy the tentative and potentially fleeting fake thing that they have going?
1: We think the themes in this trope come through really strongly in both the fix that we've read. We're doing a slightly different format today. We're going to talk about the overall themes of the tropes rather than looking at the fix in turn. But we'll, you know, be talking about two fixes always. Um, I'm also now imagining that they do have feelings, but they also have a dead cat. It's Is a real, it- it's a real, um... Yeah, flat yeah. gates of the, the love of the relationship. Yeah, who wins now, Schrodinger? Not Millicent, that's for sure.
0: So we have two picks this week, both of which are set in the Star Wars universe, looking at different ships.
1: <laughs> it's like John Williams is in the room. <laughs> um so this week i'm heading into the delightful world of finn poe um it's an old favorite fic of mine called step out into the sunlight by a writer named plutos where finn and poe in the process of trying to get finn settled and sorted onto car they accidentally convince the whole base that they're married shenanigans and the discovery of some real real feelings into you
0: my pick this week is a, a Raylo story, meaning it's a Ben Solo and Ray pairing. It's called Deceit, Delusion and Desire by Attack of the Dark Curses and the Buildings Not on Fire. And it's an alternate universe number in which they're roommates and Ben ends up proposing to Ray so that she can get a green card to stay in the US.
1: Yeah so the first thing we wanted to talk about was the idea of language and communication uh, so I want to talk a bit about the ways I think language, reference and communication work in these fics partly because I think communication and the lack thereof is often a super important element within fake dating AUs. Um, both before and after the feelings kind of poke their tricksy little heads out from behind the sofa. So often these AUs need people uh, or, or work or function around misunderstanding misinterpretation mishearing and misspeaking and that prolongs the tension that keeps that plot going towards the big finale i mean so
0: much miscommunication to the point where it's often so obvious it makes you want to throw popcorn at the screen in protest and scream at their blindness but it's just kind of so corny and great
1: yeah and it's part of what gives you that real like flinch enjoyment of it and um, and and so sort of what I was thinking about was the ways that these fics rely not only on the two characters' interpretations of their feelings and misinterpretations of their feelings and of the languages that they use with each other, but also on other people interpreting, understanding, hearing and labelling the relationship they see before them as real. Um, so I'm sure we've all loved the moment in like a fake dating AU when one of our hapless characters is blindsided by the view another person has of the relationship that they think or that, you know, that they themselves, the character in it has conceived of as false so it's you know always something like you've loved each other forever it was all in the way you touched each other's hair and our main characters are like and they just nope out of the conversation and it's really satisfying because it's a moment where not only have we seen Clearly our, our main character misinterpret the gestures of the other character that they're in this relationship with, but actually there are characters outside of them that are doing that too. And that means, broadly speaking, various kinds of language, and I've it's, I've mentioned physical, emotional, and actually for both Arphics, bureaucratic have really special significance within the fake dating AU. Um, And so in my fic, where where the focus of all of that attention is Finn, that is super interesting, because he is, to some extent, in Star Wars, a stranger in a strange land more than almost any other character. Mm. He doesn't yet fully speak the language of the resistance and we'll go in, in a bit to sort of what i mean by that but he doesn't have the same reference for other the other people do even though they're speaking the same technical language they're, they're both speaking standard be proud of me i'm so proud you. so proud of me but so even though they're speaking the same language kind of glossically they're not they don't have the same reference for the same things Um, So that he doesn't see or understand the significance people place in certain things. And so exploring the ways in which that creates unique problems for him is one of the things this Pluto's fic just does so well within the concept of fake dating.
0: Yeah, you're totally right. The the characters within within a fake dating fic have to reorient themselves and the way they act around others pretty dramatically. And for someone like Finn, he's totally a fish out of water anyway and is learning and relearning what it means to be in these social spaces And Poe is, you know, his anchor throughout all of the films and and, and most fics that you read in this kind of space. But this additional layer of a relationship and a marriage in Mm -hmm. this case is really complicated and is something he has no instruction manual for getting through.
1: Oh uh, no absolutely and I, I mean if you take for example to sort of explain what we mean when we're talking about reference like Poe's jacket and the way that Finn feels about wearing it at the beginning of this fix. so he understands and he even says like that it kind of broadcasts property of Poe Dameron to people it's a really um distinctive jacket but he's not quite getting the ways in which that's a romantic uh that's there's a romantic aspect to that and you know we've that's something that's definitely trickled down into the culture, certainly the romantic culture we both grew up in. So, you know, the idea of like wearing your um, your partner's clothes or like having, yeah, having borrowed things that really specifically say your partner as being a kind of like, oh, where do you have that? So intriguing. Um, and actually th- that's just not, that's something that's not there for Finn. That's not an understanding. And of course, if you think about it, stormtroopers wear uniform. So it's also, even the idea of kind of the individualistic aspect of clothes is pretty new to Finn, although the language of clothes as it works in the first order is quite, is is, is quite significant, but it speaks to sort of rank and role. Um, And it's not just kind of those physical things, it's also like Finn lacking an understanding of the ways in which bureaucratic nomenclature and designation work within the resistance versus the way they work in the first order. So... He's not seeing the last name as a symbol of family as well as self, or he is, but he's... So when he says, you know, uh, when he borrows the last name Dameron, he doesn't quite see where that would lead to people assuming they're married and actually says to Poe, that is my name. Why is that leading people to certain places? And it's a... It's actually something I don't think Poe makes super clear, but he is surprised for a minute that Finn hasn't quite joined those dots. Poe also forgets the ways in which Finn's languages and references for the relationship are entirely different, and it gives this fake dating AU a really interesting dimension for me. Yeah,
0: no, that's the thing I really love about Fake Dating AU in many ways. It's that reveal that slowly that the supposed artifice of the mm-hmm. fake relationship isn't really fake at all because the characters are often very aware of those small quirks, um, about the other person, the little things that make up the kind of gradual intimacy of mm-hmm. being in a relationship and sharing a life with someone is. And in my fic, um, Ben and Ray are going through the immigration questions together, which are essentially a a relationship test. And in doing so, they realise that they know so much more about each other than they realise from, you know, how they take their coffee to Mm. how, you know, what their favourite books and films are. And it's that kind of awareness of actually these, these characters and these people have a lot of that intimacy and those building blocks of the relationship very much already in place Mm.
1: and indeed you know that they have them but maybe haven't interpreted them as romantic just Mm. as finn hasn't with poe's jacket or poe hasn't maybe with finn's trust and yeah and and in your fic, and I, I really loved this fic, but Ben and Ray too have a kind of language they've learned about each other, what those various habits and behaviours might mean, but there are also misunderstandings and misreadings, and to kind of push that language metaphor, there are sort of grammatical difficulties, as it were. So um, there's a great moment where Ray, uh, Ben, sorry, accidentally breaks Ray's jewellery box and replaces it with a beautiful new one, um, which is something Ben clearly reads as important. So he clearly has read Ray's jewellery box as really important, um, but in fact, it isn't to her. It's something she kind of picked up in a thrift store, and she's not, she's not precious about it. It's not something that that matters to her. So he's going maybe off his experience with with belongings in other contexts, and when later down the line in the fic we meet Leia, potentially that's something that makes quite a lot of sense to us. So Ray's really touched because it is a lovely gesture, but it's a gesture that she also reads in some ways as a bit unnecessary, and that's what draws her attention to it. So, mm-hmm. those things, again, they those misunderstandings, even at this kind of level of a sort of meta language of relationships, allow for this really just these lovely spaces for their feelings to kind of blossom. Our sort of second talking point is about ancillary characters and about observers. And we think that like communication, like what one key element of what makes fake dating so fun is the way it involves and uses multiple perspectives on a relationship. I've definitely, in the few times like I've tried my hand at writing fiction, multiple characters are exhausting. <laughs> like, I mean, I am also bad. But it's, it's really tiring to, to build in repeatedly these kind of multiple hints of these other minds that are at play. Um, and in fake dating, it's super important because it's this sort of kind of like double feedback. So characters are having their own feelings about this performance that they're in. And then they're also receiving the opinions of other people about that performance, which those other people may indeed think of as truth. And um, it so often leads to just an excellent and really fun dynamic, because there's this tension between these perspectives about what's really, and it's sort of really in scare quotes, you know, what's really going on? Mm -hmm. And it just leads to delicious, delicious miscommunication. Um, And it means, in general, I would argue, that in fake dating, I always seem to find great ancillary characters just great characterization great use great inventive use of canon characters in ancillary roles yeah they're not a nice to have they're pretty essential
0: to the perf- like the performance and the success of the can see as you say and, and they're so so central and and it's that point as you say they are like the audience they're people looking in and seeing this relationship unfold as we are um they're the drivers of that big reveal moment often they're the force that makes a character you realize they were falling in love all along potentially <laughs> and they're kind of the infic version of the reader screaming like you love her you'd fall admit it like you know, <laughs> like they're either you know, interestingly kind of like they're those people who are close to the characters they either often have different levels of knowledge or understanding of those people in that relationship and the way they interact with them is always really revealing
1: Mm, yeah absolutely and yeah I think that point about them being the reader foil is really interesting because in sometimes I even feel watching fake dating watching reading fake dating AUs of ships that are what I would call, I guess, like canon adjacent. Like like, Finpo, right? There's yeah. super loads and loads and loads. It's in the text, isn't it? But you know, there's there's loads of stuff that's really usable there, but it stops just short of being explicit. And actually I would I would say like Relo because I think uh, because I think the ending of Tross is complex. But you know, but but so like Raylo too, where for a long time that was kind of like maybe. That one of the things it does really interestingly is almost mirror the experience we have when we consume the original material, in that the ancillary characters, too, are, like, often noticing the very things we've noticed that made us think that that was shippable, almost. Mm. Um Yeah, and it's, it's really interesting in your thick, I think, particularly, that the... Characters that are most present, who are ancillary, are probably Finn, Poe, Han, and Leia. Mm. And none of those, although for a while Han and Leia aren't in on the secret, none of those the the characters who need to be convinced. Like they're not evaluating these the two of them for the green card. That's Hux and Phasma. And actually that's sort of especially interesting because then you get a kind of three-point perspective. So there's Hux and Phasma for whom like the performance is designed. And then there's like Finn and Poe and these other ancillaries who are sort of in on at least a bit of it, who have a, a perspective about how real this performance may or may not be. And then you've got Ben and Ray, who in some, to some extent, are the most clueless of all and actually are seeing the least. And I think, I think that's a, it just makes for this really polyphonic picture. And I like it, I just like it a lot. And I think it's a bit interesting. I mean it's it's unlike mine, for example. Um and I think it's a really interesting kind of twist within that fake dating frame.
0: Yeah, well yours were like literally none of them were in the clue. So then you get this quite kind of intimate secret mm. that is becoming very it's very public and then you've got that kind of you know, incredible like in public it's this huge performance in private they're dealing with the ramifications mm. of that in quite a dramatic way whereas yeah you know my think it's a lot more kind of a kind of slow unveiling and i think it is really interesting how some characters in the story are in the know, some are being actively deceived, yeah. and others like Han and Leia are people who have no idea this is fake, initially, and then in doing so, validate those feelings yes. and the fact that they are real, because the performance clearly works on them, for at least the initial part. And it gives you this really interesting mix of perspectives And uh, you know, as the authenticity of that relationship kind of slowly avails itself. Um, which kind of leads us on quite nicely to our third kind of main point, which is about family and belonging and names and and how that works in a a fake dating AU. Mm. And something that's really present in both of these fics, largely in part due to the fact that both Ray and Finn are orphans, is the fact that the fake dating dynamic is a way for them to find that belonging and family that they've been seeking. So, for example, in my fic, Ray decides she wants to take Ben's name, because her surname is one that the orphanage assigned her, so it's a real reminder of her Mm. abandonment, and in Ben she's found safety and a a family life and a way to stay in the country that she chose, the people that she loves, him included, and for Finn and Jorthic, you know, he's staring at a blank form, being asked to give a surname, and he's just like, hold up, I only just got a name let alone a surname. And Poe gave him that name. He gave him the name Finn. And that's a hugely significant moment because it's a... It's the first moment where kind of Poe recognizes Finn's personhood and identity as an individual, not a faceless stormtrooper. So for Finn, that moment is absolutely huge. And naming in in here in in Star Wars universe more generally is so personal and it's so important. And it means that it's kind of natural that Finn would gravitate to Dameron when he's picking a last name, which is the kind of central conceit that then makes the whole misunderstanding of the fake marriage Mm -hmm. kind of happen because he's the person who is closest to a family into a home and safety in it so it makes sense that he would gravitate towards that name as being like well if that's what surnames mean yeah of course i'd pick his
1: yeah absolutely that if a surname is about belonging if a surname is about partnership if a surname is about a group that you're kind of actively agreeing to be part of dameron makes a hell of a lot of sense for finn at this stage and and I think those questions are so important. And I think it also then becomes the surname or the name becomes this symbol of what's at stake if this fake dating collapses, when the charade collapses which it never does because spoiler alert they are always in love with each other that's <laughs> the point um that the name and the surname comes to stand for this kind of uh, this thing that might be at stake if the fake dating implodes and of course you know we the audience know the fake dating is not going to implode because spoiler alert everything's fake but the feelings but but that for the characters it becomes this this symbol of belonging, often an identity that is suddenly very, very real and enormously fragile. And I really love the way that works in your fic because we have this reminder of the ways in which that's so important to Ray and it's so at stake. And in mine, I think there's less of a concern that the Dameron name is going anywhere, that like, that's quite solid. Whereas in lots of fake dating AUs and in yours, that sense of actually this is... I might walk away from this with less than I walked into it. Mm. And the name, especially in ones that involve marriage, can often really become a symbol for that. And I think that's really, like, often really effective.
0: And actually, when I think of it as well, this idea of, you know, you take the name in a a fake marriage Mm. kind of situation, you take the name and then that is real. So even if you're getting a divorce later on or whatever, even if the setup is fake, that is very real and permanent yeah. for, you know, whatever period of, you know, how long you're keeping up mm-hmm. the lie. And that's that central issue where it's like you're presenting a life and you're living a lie, mm-hmm. which is obviously not a I as aforementioned
1: because the feeling's always because, real. spoiler alert, they always want to and or are boning. Trying
0: to ascertain the things that you wouldn't know in a yeah. clinical way, but the, the kind of intimacies that you only get from having lived with someone in that kind of yeah. intimate way things like how you know they take their coffee or like their morning routine you I, I can imagine there being smaller questions about you know how mm. like things about their family and you know things about their relationships and and the, the small stuff. I feel, I feel like that's maybe crossing boundaries, talking about what your favourite well, roleplay is, but maybe it's not, because maybe that is, I mean, that is a pretty fundamental thing about if you're in a romantic relationship and pairing, because you're getting married for a green card, where well, your relationship can only, by definition, be romantic, mm. it would be the quickest way to catch someone But what someone if it's romantic out, but,
1: but non-sexual?
0: Maybe the green card system is not. it's not it's not respecting
1: well in which case oh my god spoiler alert the green card system is broken i mean i don't think we needed me to tell you that but the other thing i thought about this because we're on this tangent and we're going to live on it is um i would love to take a sort of much more fun version and see how much we know about each other because some of the questions that were coming up in that fic i was like i know that i know the answer to that i could answer that for rebecca
0: in fairness, I'm looking at the list now. Yeah, I'm doing my research. Oh, it's like broadly speaking, like how you met. It's okay. Like corroborating the story about mm-hmm. engagements, for you when you meet each other's parents, university, kind of, university again. Yeah, exactly. And the kind of things that that you would you could quite easily I think catch people out if mm. they had the mm. wrong story. Questions about your wedding day. Questions about your relationship, including things like who takes care takes care of the finances. So kind of broad ones like that but also like when's your anniversary in romantic relationships
1: I'm asking for a friend and that friend is me because I don't have a romantic relationship right now but does only one of you deal with the finance if you live in the you know 1940s I was gonna say like if you live in a modern relationship I feel like you I feel don't. like you do but also I feel like you split stuff right so like maybe one of you deals with like shopping yeah. but like somebody else is dealing with <laughs> <laughs> I mean, rent I, like I think me and my
0: beloved split it based on who has the emotional strength and energy at the time
1: to deal with it? I mean, that is—that's how I split my chores with with me and future me. And that's that's why lots of my shit isn't done. Well, so basically, there isn't a
0: section on the you know official immigration USA section about about foreplay about foreplay. Well,
1: I am kind of relieved. I'm relieved, and disappointed. I think I am. Re- yeah, that's perfect. That was. <laughs>
0: An important digression.
1: Um, oh, okay, so the other thing is, and you touched on this before, but names really matter in Star Wars, right? So names as Legacy, Skywalker, Solo, Palpatine, Organa, names as reinvention, Anakin to Darth Vader, spoiler alert for the noughties, uh, Ben to Kylo, even Obi Wan to Ben Kenobi, like these names as reinvention and as hiding. Um and they they tend to be really important and i think that's partly why the use of them here is is really uh yeah the the use of them here really chimes with the original material um and like and i think that's why probably it's such a significant thing i mean there are all sorts of reasons i think why that that moment of like Finn I'm gonna call you Finn um god I mean (sighs) whatever deity and or chthonic earth goddess allowed Oscar Isaac and John Boyega to be gifted to us thank you because what a fucking gift anyway but like I think that that is so important for so many reasons you know one it's the first moment when they stop just needing each other to do things and they start like it's a really mutual minute it's the giving of a name it's the of sign of respect etc but it's perhaps not surprising that in a fandom that is so interested in names that that becomes so crucial I can think of fandoms for example where that wouldn't be as big a deal naturally where it wouldn't chime as naturally with the original material and um, off the top of my head inception where everyone is presumably using some sort of fake name anyway that's much less of a big deal and the way it would be made of a big deal is by thinking about real names versus fake names but here it kind of it works really well um this is the point i think where i wanted to talk just a tiny bit about you as my star wars broker um this is a concept that i've talked about a lot in my life the idea that we have quite often brokers for certain kinds of like cultural experiences and that can be books and films and tv and and sometimes it's really um so it's really early stuff like for me I was really lucky to have like my parents broker various kinds of books for me because they they read to me when I was a kid and we've spoken about the ways in which we like loved things our parents loved because they did all this effort in brokering but in many ways like a lot of people tried to get me interested in star wars and while I watched them when I was... I watched the prequels when I was young. And I was like, yeah, woo, fun. I hadn't seen the originals until my, like, oh, late teens, early 20s. And not until you did I love Star Wars. Like, not until you was I really interested at all in this world, even as a playground. Um You've been just so instrumental to me, like, finding joy in Star Wars. And I just think it's really cute that we're doing... If Star Wars fix today.
0: No, I love it as well. It's it's fun to introduce people to fandoms. It's one of those mm. things where all you know, worlds and things that you love. Um, I think for me, with you, you know, Lord of the Rings is the yeah. one where I kind of had a tangential you know, interest. Watch the films, etc. I've never read them, but you. Know, really got a little bit more into finding out about the lore and the world that sits behind it and and you really enjoyed that and it is something that's quite lovely bringing people to them and i love how you've obviously you found your your kind of one true pairing within the star wars universe yeah
1: i think i think it's got to be finpo unless it is um what I have been informed is Rebel Captain, which is Cassian and Jyn because yes. Rogue One is an amazing movie and I have a lot of feelings about it. And I do love them. I do. And I have read a number of excellent fics. But they tend to be a lot more angsty, partly mm. because, again, spoiler alert, everyone in Rogue One dies. So they either tend to be very yeah. AU or very angsty. One of the things that's been really interesting about reading Stormpilot is that it's given me a real insight into canon so much so that when they retconned I'm gonna say retconned Poe's backstory in The Rise of Skywalker by that point I had read enough thick that I turned to you and your beloved and went that's not what that's not what happened to Poe's parents. I was so <laughs> proud. You were
0: so engaged so in, a, in, in the Tross chat, which I yeah. really loved. Because, again, cause yeah,
1: at that point, you, yes. you were still kind of early days. When you yeah, were Star Wars, and actually, it took me ages to see Tross, and now I wish I hadn't. No, but it took me ages to see Tross, because you guys had gone to see it when I'd gone home for Christmas. Yeah. And so I just hadn't got around to watching it. And so we watched it kind of... Uh, just before we started watching The Mandalorian, I yeah. think, because we were sort of on a bit of a Star Wars cake. And... Um, And I was like, I have 900 million thousand feelings about this. And I essentially just got drunk and screamed space husbands at the screen every time they were on screen.
0: I think this leads quite nicely into, like, what my main question really was. Oh, yeah. Because you were so excited to, to get me to read I this was. fic, and I really loved it. Yeah, um, and it was kind of really what, for you, made this feel like a standout Storm Pilot story. Because for me, I felt yeah. like the tone and the characterisation of those characters were some of the best I'd seen.
1: I think, yeah, I think for me, because I read it quite a bit at the beginning of my, like, Finn Pilot exploration. I think it was one of the first that I had read that was focalised so heavily through Finn's perspective and through Finn's perspective as a newcomer to Dakar. And I found that really well done. I think the ways in which Finn... The ways in which Finn and Finn's recollection of trauma and Finn's coping mechanisms function when transplanted to this new space. His cleaning, for example, is also being a way of, like, showing... It's showing affection, but it's also taking ownership over a space. And I find that so effective. Um, and obviously Poe is there carving out space for Finn because he loves him. But in lots of Fix, Finn is really reliant on Poe for that. And I think that puts a lot of pressure on their dynamic. And here... Finn's actually much more self sufficient. He goes to Leia to learn binary. He wants to learn binary, and he gets a little his little droid, yeah. which I just thought was super cute. Um, again, something that's his, and he hasn't yeah. really owned things in the yes. traditional
0: sense again because of his being
1: a stormtrooper. And he builds a camera with mm. Ray's advice. He he goes and builds a camera. He takes photos of people, and those photos become his. And I think it was a fic that really, really fought for Finn even within this kind of storm pilot canon and i think i think that was part of what was so effective for me and i and i just love i love the thing that when people realize or think that they're getting married they just keep giving finn stuff (laughs) and finn is trying to work in the hospital and people just keep giving him like things and he doesn't know what any of these things do, and then he runs to Pose in the air ground tunnel and I just hands him a tiny tree, and he's like, "What is this? <laughs> what is this fucking tree?" And I just found, and Poe's response is basically to be like, "Hi, I'm gonna hug you. No one gave me a tree." Something, and I'm so pleased you enjoyed it because I was really excited to share it with you, and it's a, it's quite an, a, quite an old one, and I actually we both reread our fix mm. before doing this. Which we don't always have to do, because sometimes they're super fresh for us, and, and that, was, um, that was really fun. I wanted to ask you, I think, um, because I found this fic in a way that not all multi-chaptered fics are, despite the ways in which the chapter surely promotes a kind of episodic feel. I found this fic felt really episodic to me in terms of feeling almost like a sitcom. Mm. That there were these sorts of the chaptering structure just worked really well. And I guess I wanted to ask you what scene really stands out for you as being like, what scene really sold this fic to you?
0: Yeah. I think the stand out moment for me is by far the scene that's quite early on actually, where they decide that Ray should move her stuff into Ben's room in case the immigration officer Hux comes for a kind of surprise inspection to make it feel genuinely mm-hmm. homey. Um and, you know, Ray goes to work for the day and Ben gets to work moving her stuff in and Actually, goes a bit of a step further, it's not a case of just, you know, moving some random crap into his room. He actually goes and gets pictures of her friends framed and puts it on her nightstand. He gets Finn and Poe, who are predominantly more raised friends at the beginning of the fic, to help choose bedding and things she'll like, to make it genuinely feel like her space. And it's such a sweet moment and I think for me it's kind of the perfect example of how the relationship itself might be fake but Mm. the feelings the gestures and the intimacy that sits beneath
1: it are just so so real yeah I think yeah because not only it's not just that he wants it to read as Ray's room but he knows that this move is potentially uncomfortable for her and he Mm. wants to make it as comfortable as possible I think that's absolutely right I did wonder if perhaps you're Favorite moment might be when the fancy nonsense flannel boy said he had a two hundred and fifty dollar bottle of Gordon's gin, like hen. I don't care if it's from nineteen eighty. Get better gin.
0: Yeah, it's not your Ben's. Buck. It's not Ben's finest moment. I mean, seriously, Gordon's is garbage. People, Gordon's UK, is garbage. We'll show you what proper gin tastes like. But that is literally like the first like half page is like <laughs> Wraith, like in the back of the cupboard trying to find this bottle of gin. She doesn't even really like gin. And I was like, well, hun, you you're not going get A of stuff all. She this is over.
1: supposed to be British. I'm like, yeah. okay, listen, first of all, you don't have to like gin if you're British. That's not what I'm really saying. But isn't it, though? Um, but as two people who love gin, I was like, there are better gins. I actually, do you know, I actually looked on the whiskey exchange. I was like, maybe... Maybe there is this, like, reserve 1980s, like, really special... Couldn't find it. Couldn't find it. Mostly what people like about it is the fun label. It's best about that. That's garbage. (laughs) (laughs) It's super garbage. It it does also remind me, actually, of... And this doesn't need to stay in or even really be here, and it might be something we have a discussion about another time. But um, we've talked a little bit about how interesting it is as British readers reading... American writers and there being things that I go like, oh, that's not what that is, or even like or not no, because that sounds really judgmental. I guess I don't mean it like that, but where those moments we were like, that doesn't mean the same thing. Like, that's not what I thought it was. I was so confused for so long about why Americans were all drinking cider in the middle of the day. I was like, Yeah, they're a bunch of drunks. Why are you drinking fucking hardcore white lightning <laughs> at <laughs> eleven am and cider is non-alcoholic. And in loads juice. of it's in loads Spack of the United juice. States. It's like spiced or like hot cider is a really big thing. Which, to be fair, like mild cider we do have. But like, yeah, those interesting points of,
0: of just cultural difference. I also think, gen- generally speaking, it's so interesting to me that Ray is always mm. cut ca- or very often at least cast as British. Yeah. Because obviously, lots of the actors in Star Wars are. British, yeah. It's always Ray, often because I think of this orphaned, you know, not knowing where her home and origin is.
1: Yes, and actually, ah, oh, I mean, I have certainly read ones where she and Finn are like adopted siblings, yeah. which makes, I suppose, makes that connection. But actually, yeah, and it's it's not like like I now I don't, but Finn's not John Boyega's not doing an American accent, is he in those films? Like, I have no doubt that he can.
0: He's slightly maybe. I think it's he's not I think he's a strong tempering accent. his Britishness. He's got a very British accent. Like he's very yeah, like South London. He's like.
1: Super yeah. he sounds super London and like um Yeah. And also does loads of work in South London schools, interestingly. Because he's a super cool dude and uh, I like him a lot. Um Oh, and then my final question. My final question. How much did you love all of the Han references to Indiana Jones in your fic? This is so good. So Han, in my
0: fic, is an archaeology professor who hates Indiana Jones. And there are moments where characters reference it and everyone looks around because they know he's going to be massively offended. I think at one point he says, that man would have been a menace to archaeology. (laughs) And it's just one of those, like, it's quite one of many actual self-referential moments in this fic and it's so pleasing. Just quite a fun little Easter egg of sorts. Yeah, like
1: the book Ray is writing turns out to be A New Hope. Yeah. Right? And and also, I don't think we find out the title of the book that Han has just been writing, but Han and Poe have this conversation where they're like, why did you throw in that last minute romance? And I'm like, please tell me this is a reference to J.J. Abrams and his desperate attempt (laughs) to get and vote to perform heterosexuality <laughs> because like it felt and if it isn't then that's also grand but it just it just felt like there was so yeah it was a really lovely meta there were just some really lovely meta things in that fic and I loved the Indiana Jones one by far just just super cute
0: well that's our show our thanks to our writers this week and for creating things that have brought us such joy don't forget to check us out on Tumblr and follow us on Spotify which is where our episodes appear
1: absolutely you can use the messaging or the ask us anything function on Tumblr to send us thoughts recs and questions or send us a message via our gmail trope at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you about literally anything especially if you'd like to fight us about our fictional characters and our imagined relationships with them in our games of trope shag Mary kill
0: we're also now on AO3 and committed to no longer being lurkers so you can see who we we're following and you can find us there with trope
1: as just to confuse you all I have been jean i've been rebecca thanks so much for listening